Hello, my love. So in this episode, we are talking about binge eating, emotional eating, addiction. I know right now with everyone on quarantine, a lot of people are eating at times when they're not hungry and they're turning to food to comfort them. And I know how frustrating it can be to be eating at times you don't want to be eating and not understanding why you're doing it or how to stop. So that's what this episode is all about. I guide you through my own personal experiences with disordered eating, binge eating, emotional eating, body image, uh, addiction, all of that, and some of the steps I took to heal and, and that I guide my clients through on their healing journey. So it's a lot of information. Grab a pen, grab a notebook, grab a tea, grab a candle, get nice and cozy, and we will begin. What's up, guys? My name is Alicia McNeil, and I'm here to help you reclaim your power and attract the life you've been dreaming about to you. From manifestation, mindset, healing, and energetic superpowers, I believe we are all magical beings waking up to the reality that we get to choose what we feel, what we experience, and what we create in this world. Upgrading what's no longer working for us that we can create a ripple effect of love and healing out into the world. I hope this episode adds some inspiration, laughter, and magic to your day. We're waking up. Let's do it together. So first, I want to start off describing some of my experiences in the five years that I was battling food and my body and my self-worth and all of that. So this began, and I explained this in a previous episode, a little bit of what I went through, but I'm going to dive a little bit more into the actual food and body part. This began when I was in high school, but I really started to develop disordered eating in my freshman year of college when I started to notice that I gained the freshman 15 and I went to put on a bathing suit. And I remember looking in the mirror and just noticing like, whoa, I've gained weight. And I remember I had a Subway sub in my hand and I ate it and then I went in the bathroom and I made myself sick. And that moment I didn't realize would be the start of a downward spiral, um, some very, very dark days. And I want to let you know before I go into more detail with my experiences, you know, maybe you'll relate to this. And if you do, it might trigger you. And by that, I just mean it might make you feel uncomfortable, whether you relate to it or not. And I just want to say that, you know, whatever emotions come up as you listen to this, you're safe to feel them. And, and if you do connect with my message in any way, you're, you're going to also feel inspired because this isn't my lifestyle anymore and it doesn't need to be yours either. And maybe you relate to what I was experiencing, but in a different way. You see, disordered eating is an addiction and it, it, the, the underlying causes are the same as any addiction out there. Any core, the core cause of addiction is, is all the same. It's emotional. And I'm going to dive deeper into 
why we have these addictions, why we disordered eat, and how to heal them in a little bit after I explain some of my experiences. But I just wanted to preface that because it's going to be a little graphic maybe and uncomfortable, but I think it's so important to share this because I've had many people tell me, you know, Alicia, I thought I was the only one. I didn't even know I had a problem until you, you told me that there was another way to live and, and, you know, only you can decide if you have a quote unquote problem, right? Like no one else is in your mind, in your body and can decide. But if you're unhappy with the lifestyle that you're living and the habits that you have and the, the self-sabotaging or addictions that you are engaging in, then just know that life doesn't need to be that way. And, and I've experienced both the, the, the contraction and the contrast to the expansion and the positive and the peace. And, and that's what I'm here to share with you. Okay. So in those five years, you know, I, I really flowed between binge eating, which is overeating, extreme, extreme, extreme overeating, like so, so, so much food, like days and days worth of food. Um, purging, so making myself sick. Sometimes I would do it once a day, multiple times a day. Sometimes I would go a couple months without doing it. It would just depend. And I also would starve myself. So I would eat like lettuce all day long. Uh, I would try to just drink like water or juice. And that really only lasted a couple days before I would cave. And that's when I would binge and make myself sick. And I would just cycle through that every week, every couple months. It would really just depend on what was going on in my life. I would, you know, I would be so obsessed with health rules, like um, green tea. I would steep my green tea for hours. And I, I thought that, you know, having more of the green tea in the water would raise my metabolism and help me burn more fat. And I hated it. I thought it tasted so nasty and I still don't like green tea. It's probably because of that, (laughs) but I just, I, I forced myself to drink and eat a lot of stuff that I thought tasted like shit. Honestly, um, I was terrified of honey and, and eating carrots past 5 PM. I was so afraid of, of the sugar in carrots and, and nonetheless in bread and pasta. And, um, you know, growing up, Alfredo was one of my favorite meals. And as an adult, I've always felt like I don't like pasta because, and, and what I'm learning, the more that I do try pasta is that really, I actually do enjoy it. It was just this deep, deep fear of it that that caused me to think that I didn't even like it, right? Um, fruits, I was afraid of fruits, dried fruits. Um, obviously, sugars and processed foods and stuff like that. You know, I counted every single calorie, every single carb, every single gram of fat. I really wanted it to be perfect. And I was just so obsessed with like, food documentaries and health documentaries and just learning so much about what I thought was health. Um, I would track my workouts. I would track my calories. I would sometimes exercise three times a day, every day of the week. And then I would not exercise for a whole week 
beat myself up and then do it again. I, um, you know, I would count all of my steps with a watch and, and make sure I burned a certain amount of calories. And I was obsessed with high intensity interval training and my weight because of, because I would go, I would bounce between the two extremes. My weight would fluctuate so much. I would get really, really skinny, but still not be satisfied and, and pick myself apart. And then I would gain a lot of weight, um, like maybe 10 and 15 pounds and, and have, um, you know, fat in, in areas where I didn't want it. And I was extremely, extremely obsessed with getting abs and, and, Every single morning when I woke up for years, I would put my hand on my belly, pinch my belly fat, and feel immediate disappointment with the way my belly looked before even seeing it. And that is how I started my day. Every single day, for years. Anytime I would sit, like down on the toilet, which is random, but it's what I would do, I would, I would pinch my fat. Like I would pinch the fat that would appear when I would sit down. And like on my belly, um, I would stare at myself in the mirror and, and, and pull at my legs to make it look like I didn't have cellulite and, you know, um, try and pose in certain ways so that you couldn't see, you know, certain parts of my body. And I was terrified of being in a bikini in front of people. You know, if I was in a bikini in front of people, it's all I would think about. In fact, I think that's the worst or, or was the most challenging part of, of those years is the constant thought of food and my body. Like I'm talking 99% of the time, it was thoughts of that. If it wasn't thoughts of that, I was either distracting myself with work and overworking or with a boy or with alcohol and, and, um, you know, I, I really could only last four days on a diet and then I would crash and burn by Thursday. I would binge all weekend long. I would sneak to drive throughs and, and order from drive throughs and, and shove as much as I could in my mouth. And then I would go to another drive through and I'm talking like sometimes I would eat entire, like an entire dozen donuts, like 12 full donuts and then make myself sick and then do it again. And, and, you know, this wasn't like a one-time thing. It was so frequent and, and I, I hit it really well. I was terrified of people finding out for years. I would cancel multiple trips and vacations and plans with friends. And I didn't know why. And then of course, in, in those moments that I did cancel them, I stayed home and I, and I would numb out and, and you know, sometimes I would reach this state of like peace and, and joy. And I was like, oh my God, I healed my eating disorders. And this would always be when I was on like vacation and things were going really well, maybe with my boyfriend at the time, or, you know, it was just some time when I was having fun and feeling super confident and good. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what this feels like to not always be thinking and obsessing about it. But then I would cycle back. And, and the hardest part 
was that I I couldn't understand why I was doing this. I would always beat myself up and just be like, why am I doing this? Like, why can't I eat like a normal person? Why can't I just eat really healthy and not overeat? Why am I always thinking about this? Why do I black out, feel compelled to overeat? And then like almost like wake up afterwards and have no idea why it happened. You know, when it comes to food and body issues, it's so easy to cover up and no one really know what's going on because it can be disguised as health, right? When I was in college, our senior year, we did superlatives and I won most likely to drunk eat a salad (laughs) because... Every time I would come home from a party, of course, I would be starving because I barely ate and I would be afraid to eat anything, quote unquote, unhealthy, especially in front of other people, because I wanted to maintain that idea of the healthy person. So I would eat salads and that's what I was known for. And everyone thought I was so healthy, but I was so deeply, deeply unhealthy and and i just covered it really well and i was really afraid to be seen and you know i i tried a lot of external things to fix it you know i went to therapy once and it took so much in me to go and my therapist um he he tried to have me do cognitive behavioral therapy. So what he wanted me to do was eat regularly, like eat a normal amount of food at fixed intervals throughout the day. And that maybe worked a little bit, but not really because it didn't get to the underlying reason of why I was restricting and 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 why I was so afraid to eat the the certain foods, right? And why I was overeating. You see, there there's these deep core emotional wounds that I was getting my needs met through those ways of eating. And just forcing yourself to eat at certain times does not fix that. It might stabilize your blood sugar so that you don't have as much of like a biological strong craving, but, but the emotional craving will still be there. And that will always come back until we heal, heal those core wounds. You know, I also tried so many diets to rid myself of sugar addiction. I was like, if I can just not crave sugar at all, of course, I'll just be able to eat really healthy forever and it will be perfect and I will look perfect and I will feel great. And you know, that obviously never worked. And I also tried meditating, um, but I was very, very resistant. And I don't even know if I really tried meditating. I, I, I wanted to try meditating, but I was really afraid to sit alone with my thoughts for a really long time. And that's normal. That's super, um, common. So you're not alone there if that's you. So those are some of my experiences. Like I said, it was five years of this, like day in and day out. So I have a ton of more experiences, but I want you to know that if you experience any of this, you're not alone. It's extremely common. In fact, everyone, pretty much everyone emotionally eats in the sense that like, for example, my dad, he's always loved ice cream at night, like a a scoop or two of ice cream and, you know, emotional eating. So food is made for health, 
right? It's made to give your body the energy that it needs. And when we are full, our body does not need the nourishment to survive. At other times when we're eating for pleasure, that is emotional. We're eating for that pleasure. But it's not a problem unless we make it a problem or unless we decide it's a problem, right? Like for my dad to have some ice cream every night, it's not a problem unless he determines that it is for his health. But when it comes to an emotional standpoint, you know, if he's just consciously choosing, this is delicious. I want this. I don't need this, but I I would like a scoop. Then it's fine. It's only when, when, for example, with me... I could not go to sleep without eating a surplus of food before bed, you know, um, like it would be like nine or 10 at night. And I would, I would always say, don't eat it, don't eat it, don't eat it. And then of course I, that resistance built and built and built within me and I felt compelled to the kitchen. And and that's when I would usually overeat was in the evenings late, late at night before bed and, I was like, oh, I'm addicted to food at night and, you know, all those stories. And, you know, it, it, maybe if it's not food for you, it's it's smoking pot or it's, um, it's, you know, taking certain medications or drinking alcohol. And it's really this, these deeper needs that we're meeting through these vices. And, um, you know, I, I, I tried so many external things that I, I was just like, you know what, this is my life. I, I, I would look at other people online who said they healed their disordered eating yet. They were still posting, you know, healthy foods. And I was calling bullshit on them. Honestly, I was like, there's no way you can have a healthy relationship with food and still eat healthy. There's no way I thought it was impossible, but boy, was I wrong. And thank God for that. I was so wrong. And you absolutely 100% can have both. You can have a healthy relationship with food and still eat healthy. And I'm living, breathing proof of that. And I'm, I'm living, breathing proof that you can have so much peace with food and your body and be in a bathing suit and not even give a shit what your body looks like. Excuse my language. I feel like I'm saying shit a lot, but I'm passionate about this. And sometimes I curse when I am. And if that bothers you, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, um, peace in my body in a bathing suit, peace around food, peace around, you know, just eating a cookie and loving it and savoring it and enjoying it and and not worrying about the calories and the the sugar and you know even even after eating the cookie or the three cookies you know 10 minutes later completely forgetting that you even did that that's the best you know that that lack of obsession after you eat something that you previously regretted is so peaceful you know I'm, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for my suffering in the sense that if I didn't engage in all those behaviors and, and go through those low, low lows where I just like, honestly hated myself, hated my life, hated my body, was so angry at myself thinking that I was, you know, I just couldn't, I had no willpower or no control. I'm actually really grateful for those experiences. And here's why. 
Contrast is everything. Contrast. Without contrast, we cannot feel and be grateful for the beauty in life. If we didn't know the darkness, we wouldn't even know that the lightness and the love and the beauty and the peace was even a thing. And now when I go outside in the morning and I sit and I have my coffee and, and, you know, maybe I have my oatmeal with honey on it, which I used to be so afraid of. And I just savor it and enjoy every bite. And I hear the birds chirping and, and I'm just sitting there with myself and I feel so peaceful in my body that is what I'm grateful for. And and I wouldn't appreciate that so much, that simple moment so much if I didn't have those low, low lows, right? It's like after you heal from those low experiences, you heal from those addictions at the core, you have so much gratitude for the most simple things in life. And, And not only that, but now, since I experienced all of that, it, it led me to my passion and my purpose in life, which is helping others feel this too. You know, we all get to feel this peace within our bodies and around food and around whatever else it might be that, that you have a challenging relationship with. So I just want you to know if I can do it, I, I guarantee you can do it too. And, and that's what I'm here to help guide you through. And, and what's so incredible is, is when we do this inner work and we heal from the inside out, that is how we just start becoming a magnet to a life that we're in love with. You know, that's why I transitioned from a food and body food freedom coach into a manifestation coach, because as I was helping others heal from within, they were naturally manifesting dream relationships, dream careers, more income, you know, um, confidence, peace, and joy that, that was all, all what was sparking all of those, those, um, experiences to be magnetized to them. And, and, you know, I have a lot of people who come to me, if you're familiar with manifestation and maybe you struggle with it, you know, they come to me and they say, Alicia, I logically understand how to manifest, but I, I, it's not working for me. You know, the mantras aren't working. This isn't working. That isn't working. And that's because a lot of the times we, we are still trying to do the surface work. And, and when we get to the core, uh, the core wounds and we heal that and the, the survival patterns and all of that stuff that keeps us stuck, we just naturally begin to manifest. And it's so great. It's so freeing. It's so beautiful. It's, uh, I'm obsessed with it as you guys know. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the turning point and, and, and what I've learned about why we numb out on addictive behaviors. Okay. So addictive behaviors are your body's attempt to save your life. Okay. To save your life. And you might be thinking, what the hell, Alicia, what, what does that mean? Well, binge eating was my body trying to save my life. In fact, all of my addictions were trying to save my life. My addiction to not feeling good enough, to exercise, to hiding in my room on weekends, to relationships that were toxic, to oversleeping when I first began my business. All of those addictions were my body trying to save my life. Um, 
if I, if I enjoyed smoking marijuana, I'm sure that would have been an addiction of mine too. I have a very addictive personality and, and, and that's common. You see, you see, we are, when we are numbing out, we are acting in a survival pattern and have yet to learn how to comfortably feel, express, and release our emotions in a healthy and safe way. Okay. So as children, our bodies had to develop these survival patterns and strategies to buffer ourselves from feeling overwhelmed. When too much energy hits our body and nervous system, and by energy, I mean um, energy from other people, emotions, anything like that, we go, we go into overwhelm. And as a child, we have no protection. So we feel everything. So we have to create these survival strategies. And if we're soothed, we will discharge the energy, we'll relax, and we'll return to the present moment, which is where you feel good, you feel your true essence. But if we're not soothed or we've not been taught to self-soothe, that, which is the majority of the population, then we are left feeling overwhelmed and we build a defense around those feelings. And, and these defenses buffer us from directly experiencing that overwhelm within our bodies. Okay. Does that make sense? So maybe you feel boredom. Maybe you feel sadness. Maybe you feel anger or loneliness or even really happy. And you turn to food or an addictive behavior. That is actually your body trying to protect you from feeling that overwhelming emotion and that overwhelming energy. If we haven't learned how to heal these and how to get out of these survival patterns, we will go into them automatically the instant we feel uncomfortable, okay? So, for example, when I got into situations that felt very vulnerable, like public speaking or wearing a bikini I would use my drug as an escape to avoid. So, so it would be like overeating. I would escape the anxiety. It would numb the anxiety. Or I would um, go into something called the leaving pattern, and I would shut down and and bail and not go or or feel like I'm not there, even if I was physically there, right? And and you know. Will even sabotage when things start to feel really good because that still will feel overwhelming and uncomfortable if we're not used to it, if we don't have the capacity to feel that much, that large of an emotion, right? So I remember this one time I went on a really incredible date and I was high on life and on my way home, I went by the gas station and I overate and I was so confused. Like, why am I doing this now when I'm feeling good? Like, you know, I can't catch a break, right? But it was it all came down to the lack of feeling safe to feel these emotions in my body. So I, I had a very small window of presence and ability to feel and operate within those emotions, okay? So as adults, we may do spiritual practices to reconnect with our true self, with our presence. But until we heal the core traumas in our body that fuel these survival patterns, then we will still go into them when we are overwhelmed, okay? So this is why many alcoholics, they'll stop drinking, right? But then they turn to food addiction and now they have a binge eating addiction. Or why many people with anorexia and who undereat then flip to binge eating and overeating or vice versa. 
or when I originally thought I had healed my disordered eating, but then I was constantly sleeping and shutting down in other ways, my, my drug just switched, you know, to something else that, that I thought was, um, more, more okay. Right. So, so I, the, the take from this is, is that, you know, these, these behaviors are your body's way of keeping you safe from feeling the overwhelm and, and, when we heal these core traumas that were that created these patterns, it will break the pattern and then it loses its compelling force. You know, we're no longer compelled to the kitchen or compelled to to smoke the pot or or compelled to to um, you know return to the ex who treats us poorly, right? So it's important to note that these these behaviors are not who you really are. They're actually blocking who you really are. They're, they're just buffering you from feeling this overwhelm, but, but they're also stopping you from experiencing yourself in the present moment and expressing that to the world and, and living out your truth as your highest, most authentic version of yourself. So if you feel like, oh, there's more to me, there's more to my life, I know it, I just don't know how to get there, I don't know what it is, that's your soul speaking to you. It's saying, follow that feeling work through this because you're right. There is so much more to you and to your life. The good news is we can all heal these core wounds and, and no longer feel that compelling pull to numb out self-sabotage or engage in the addictive behaviors. You know, um, each time what's, what's also cool about this is as you heal, you know, each time you engage in these patterns, you're actually practicing an energetic skill over and over and over again, right? It's protecting you over and over and over again. And therefore, you know, when you heal the core wound, you actually turn on a particular set of energetic or spiritual gifts. So for example, some of the gifts that have come online for me and and are starting to come online and grow stronger and stronger, the more I do healing work on myself is the ability to manifest and, and, um, uh, direct my energy into what I want and bring that into the world and the ability to influence powerfully groups of people, the ability to, uh, see and track energy and psychic and subtle perceptions. You know, we all have access to a lot of really, really magical spiritual gifts. And the more you do this inner work, the more they'll come online and you get to use them with, with your career or with your loved ones or with yourself. It's, it's really, really, really cool. I'll have to do an episode on that because it's just so magical. <laughs> so if you're interested in learning more about these patterns that you go into and the spiritual gifts associated, I recommend the book, The Five Personality Patterns. It's pretty heady, um, but it explains why we go into these patterns. It helps us have more compassion for ourselves and for others, and it gives a roadmap of the healing process. Um, He recommends that you do work with a specialist who can help you do this inner healing work, but the book is good in and of itself for just explaining to you why you're engaging in the behaviors that you are and a roadmap of what might need to be healed as you're working with a mentor or a coach or a therapist or whoever it may be to heal these deeper core wounds. 
Now, another way to understand why we are engaging in behaviors that we don't like is through these six human needs. Okay. So when all humans have six core human needs and they are love and connection, which is one certainty or the need to feel safe, variety, significance, growth, and contribution. Okay. I'm not going to dive too deep into all of these because it would take too much time, but you can Google it. Tony Robbins has some good videos on it and, and some good articles on it, but basically every single behavior that we engage in is meeting one of these needs. Okay. And, and if we are not meeting these needs in a positive and healthy way, our survival pattern kicks in and it will force us to meet that need in any way that we can. So for example, if there is no variety in our life and we are living a very mundane life, it's very boring. We don't have, you know, maybe with food, we're eating salad, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have no variety there then we might seek variety through food and want to eat, you know, the chips and the the donuts and and the pizza and all of that, right? To meet our need for variety. That's just one example. We also have a need for certainty. So if we are not meeting our need for certainty in a positive way, like having a high sense of self, feeling fully worthy, feeling you know, that we know we are creating the life of our dreams and we are safe and all of that beautiful, comfortable, happy certainty, then we are going to have certainty in a different way. I am certain that I'm going to disappoint myself today. I am certain that I'm going to be stressed and anxious. I am certain that I will not stick to healthy eating for more than four days, you know, and, and if we aren't meeting that need for certainty, our body is always going to cause us to fall into alignment with what we're believing, right? So say you're going those four days strong, eating healthy, and it's like, oh, this isn't normal. This doesn't feel right. I'm not certain that this is possible. We might be creating the certainty that we're going to fail and create that self-fulfilling prophecy and, and cause ourselves to sabotage so that we remain consistent with what feels certain to us. Okay? I hope that's making sense. We also have a need for significance. So if we receive significance from the way our body looks and we think that we, you know, we, if we're successful in this behavior, then we will receive significance. We will feel important and we will receive love and connection. Then we are going to engage in that behavior, even if it's unhealthy. So when I was able to shift my significance, not from the way I looked, but from, but into the person that I am that changed so much for me and, and the behaviors that I was engaging in. We also have a need for love and connection. So if we are not receiving love and connection from ourselves, from within, and we're not receiving that deep, fulfilling love and connection from others, then we're going to feel empty inside. We're going to feel like there's a hole within us. And for me, I would fill that with food and, and, or I would fill that with unfulfilling relationships and always returning to 
uh, toxic relationships that hurt me, but at least I was getting some sort of love, right? I remember for about two years, I was in this relationship and it was extremely toxic, meaning that we just would fight a lot and, and he would cheat on me and I would always take him back. And it was very hurtful. And we both were hurting each other in, in different ways. And, you know, any time that we were together, it was like, I wasn't emotional eating, or I, at least I wasn't binge eating. And then when, things would go bad. It was like, I just had to, I was absolutely compelled to, and it would just flip flop. And it was because I kept having to fill this emptiness inside of me and we get to fill this ourselves, you know, for, for a little bit, I, I, as I started filling myself with self-love and, and all of that, it started to feel really good. And I started to get to a point where I was like, I don't even want to need anyone. I don't want to need love and connection with others, but I was wrong. We, we, we do need love and connection with others. It's how we can enjoy life and feel really, really fulfilled in life is to have this love and connection with others as well. But it starts with you. And what's so incredible about filling yourself up from within is, is not only do you start to feel better, you no longer are turning to those relationships that harm you, you no longer are numbing out to fill a hole inside of you, but you also begin to attract relationships that meet that level of love that you're giving yourself. So as I started to fill myself from within, I started to attract these friendships that are just so incredible. Like these three girls that I'm living with right now, I moved to Portland, Oregon last summer and I just randomly met this, this, um, girl at a coffee shop and it just kind of unfolded in perfect manifestation for me to move in with her and into this dream home and the two other roommates, you know, right now it's, um, COVID and we're in quarantine and we are all just (laughs) so in love with each other. Like we're just building forts and having dance parties and cooking together and crying together and, and being so vulnerable and so, um, connected and it's so beautiful. And it's these kinds of relationships that I didn't even know were possible. It's like a part of me dreamt of them, but I couldn't have even like visualize them because I didn't even know that this kind of incredible friendship was possible. So that's what happens when we start to fill ourselves from within. We, we start to stop sabotaging and, and start to really attract the vibration that we're at, at within ourselves. So if you want to dive more into your human needs, I would Google the six human needs and look at the different ways that you're meeting those needs. And, and instead of trying to stop meeting your need, because you're always going to need to meet these needs, just fill up on healthy, positive ways to meet them. We always want to replace a behavior that we don't like with a behavior that we do like. Okay. That's going to be helpful. That's something that you can begin to do on your own now before you have a coach or a mentor or a therapist to guide you through the deeper, deeper healing work. Okay. So what do you do to heal aside from that? Well, there's a variety of things and it really is individualized to you. 
uh, I would say the first thing is to shift from operating from a place of fear to a place of love. And you can do this right now too, beginning today. If you engage in an addictive behavior, shift from guilting and shaming yourself into curiosity and compassion. You know, the behaviors that you engage in that you're not proud of are just data and direction. So we want to stop operating from a place of fear and turn to love. So this would look like going from, oh my God, I did it again. I hate myself. Now I'm going to gain weight and no one will love me into, okay, I just summed out. It's 6 p.m. on a Friday. What did my body truly want and need right now? Was it sleep? Was it connection? Was it rest? Was it love? Was it comfort? Was it variety? Was it some fun? You know, what did I really need that I wasn't giving myself out of fear or out of not knowing and not being aware? And how can I give myself this next time? We also need to feel in order to heal. So we talked about this earlier, learning how to feel safe, comfortable, in feeling our emotions and working through them. We need to go through the dark in order to get to the light. We can't spiritually bypass. We can't go around them. And what we need to do is work with someone to learn how to access that sense of safety and change your relationship to pain so that you can feel safe in your body and feel okay expressing the emotions that are within you because really emotions, anxiety, fear, sadness, anger, they're just energy emotion. They want to be expressed. They can direct us to what it is that we need. You know, I I always say anxiety is such a beautiful gift. I'm so glad that I have sensations of anxiety on occasion because they are guiding me to what my highest truth really wants. And they're showing me that I'm out of alignment and they help me get back in track, but we need to work with somebody to learn how to shift that story and shift that sensation. Okay. And then when we are able to, when you're able to feel safe, feeling those emotions, you will no longer feel that deep compel to numb it out. The next thing is to learn what your survival patterns are, what triggers them, and heal them at the core. And all, all of these things that I've, I've said, they all flow into each area of your, of your life. It's not like, okay, we're going to do step one, then step two, then step three, then step four, then step five. Everyone's different. It depends where you're at. All of this takes emotional and energetic healing, breath work, one-on-one coaching and support. I know it might sound like a lot, but it's, it's, it's the only thing that works truly. I've tried it all and this is the only thing that works. And, and if this is you, I invite you to reach out and ask for help. You know, if it scares you to ask for help, I get it. I waited many, many, many years to ask for help because I was so afraid to be seen and admit that I was weak, quote unquote, and ask for help. These were other survival strategies of of mine to protect myself, but being vulnerable is strength. Asking for help is, is strength. Choosing the love for yourself over the fear of what people think is strength. And we are all self-healers, but we do need a guide to support us and to point us in the right direction of where and how to heal, or we'll keep blocking ourselves from the deeper healing and we'll keep looping in those self-sabotaging cycles, okay? And 
we heal so much quicker together. I said this in a recent podcast, but our, when, when you have someone there supporting you, holding space for you, guiding you, you are co they are co-nourishing you. They are sending you some of their healed energy so that you can feel what it feels like. And I want you to know that I'm saying this because I feel you if you're like, ah, I don't want to admit this to anyone. I don't want to ask for help. I've had people come to me for a different kind of coaching and then say, I've never told anyone this, but, and oh my gosh, just having someone there to unconditionally love you and support you and, and just see you for you and not judge you is so healing in and of itself. And I think what finally had me ask for help like truly was, was not just hitting rock bottom, but realizing that everything I tried alone was failing. You know, I, I I was tired of being filled with regret. I was tired of my relationship suffering. My mental and physical health was suffering and I knew there was more for me. And I knew that my soul did not incarnate on this earth for me to spend my entire life looping in self-sabotaging behaviors, toxic relationships, guilt, shame, regret, all of that. I was just so tired of feeling that way. And I was tired of not being able to do it on my own. And, and, you know, the cost of not asking for help far outweighed the cost of what people would think if I did, but it took me a really long time to get there. And I invite you to just lean into that fear because it's never going to go away. It's just going to keep looping and looping and looping. So just lean into it and reach out to me or to someone else that you feel called to. And, 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 oh boy, will you not regret it? Oh my gosh. Just having someone there to unconditionally love you and support you and, and just see you for you and not judge you is so healing in and of itself. And I'm saying this for you, you know, seek out whatever guide, mentor, coach, therapist that you feel called to. Okay. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, I've had a lot of people asking me questions. So I'm just going to dive a little bit deeper into what I do as a coach and how I can potentially help you. So right now I am offering one-on-one private coaching online or virtually. What I do when I work with a client is I meet them where they're at. So my success in coaching comes from my ability to understand and examine where you're at, the underlying causes of the physical, emotional, energetic, and psychological struggles that you're facing, and then create and guide you through individual healing plans to heal the wounds at the core level so that you naturally return to your true essence of well-being, of love, of light, and then you just naturally become a magnet to your desires in life. I th- This is why I transitioned into a manifestation coach is because as we do the inner healing work, every single one of us will naturally begin to manifest magical things, experiences, people into their life with so much ease and flow. It's so, so beautiful. So this is for the person who's ready to unlock themselves from the inside out and create your own reality so that you can live a true life of freedom. It's for the person ready to commit to their transformation and fall in love with yourself and your life. If you're ready to step into the highest, most authentic version of yourself, master your personal energy, understand your self-sabotaging patterns and heal them at the core so they stop returning, feel unshakable in who you are. If you're ready to give up the struggle, stress, worry, anxiety, and access these deeper states of abundance, joy, trust, support, ease, 
flow, peace, all that good stuff, then this is something potentially for you. I only take on a very limited number of clients at a time because I care about them so deeply and I really invest a lot of time and energy into their transformation. Currently, I have four one-on-one spots available. If you're listening to this podcast in the future, just head over to www.aliciamcneil.com forward slash forward slash coaching. And you can see if I'm taking on any clients at the time or reach out to me on Instagram or via email, which is all linked in the description of this episode. So if that's you and you're ready to create and live a life with more ease, flow, love, abundance, all of that good stuff so that you can create a ripple effect out to the world and people that you care about, then head on over to www.aliciamcneil.com forward slash coaching or click the link in the description in my bio to apply. And you can check out all of my fabulous client testimonials. The reason that I have my clients apply is so that I make sure it's an aligning fit for the both of us before we begin working together because I want this to be a hell yes for me and a hell yes for you as well. And if it's not an aligning fit, then I will gladly direct you to someone who I think is best suited to serve you at the highest level. All right, my loves, that was a lot. I hope you took some good notes. I hope you learned something. I hope you feel a little inspired, whether you relate to this or not. Please know that if you do relate to this, there is so much goodness and magic and beauty in this life for you. And if you don't relate to this, please know that a lot of people do like a lot, a lot, a lot of people do. And maybe this will give you some compassion for all those people in your life who might not be behaving the way that you would love for them to behave because hurt people hurt people and hurt people have addictions and self-sabotaging behaviors and all of this pain. And it is not something we need to shame them for. We get to support them, love them, comfort them, unconditionally love them during their healing process. That doesn't mean that we tolerate being hurt or abused or anything like that, but that does mean that we get to have compassion and not force anyone into something that they are not ready for. All right. I love you guys so much. If this was helpful for you or inspired you, I would love if you rated it, gave me a five-star rating and left a review, subscribed, and even screenshotted this and shared it with a friend or with your community, whatever it may be. There's so many of us that are in this journey together, and I would just love if we could spread this awareness and this knowledge and, and this healing together. Okay. I love you. Thank you. Have a beautiful day.